Welcome to another edition of Borders After Dark, or Borders in the Morning. Boiling in the Dark? <laughs> yeah, or Boiling in the Morning. I think the newspaper will probably arrive by the time we're done with this thing. Maybe. I'm sure the presses are rolling. Uh, I think the presses have already rolled. Done. Yeah, it's true. I think people are driving. The press run's not as long as it used to be. I don't no. know if people have heard about the uh, plight of the newspaper industry. <laughs> it gets shorter every day. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about another loss for Purdue. You know, not not helping newspaper <laughs> sales, probably. Or website traffic. Uh, or ticket but, sales. <laughs> Purdue lost again, 40 to 37. Uh, another close loss. That's three now by a combined eight points. Has to be. Close to, if not a record, for the program or any other Big Ten team in the history of all Especially Big Ten to sports. Start a season. Yeah, and and compound, compounding the fact that three game, all these games have been at home. Yes. And you've got one more next week. But anyway, Purdue lost 40-37. Missouri it was an entertaining game, uh, which I thought it would be. I thought it would be kind of up and down, kind of like a fast break basketball game, which it was. Um, but you know. We'll start. Just kind of what were your initial thoughts on what we saw tonight? You know, honestly, it's a it's a game that I come out of with a much more positive impression of Purdue than I did a week ago sitting here recapping that Eastern Michigan game. I, I, I see more of what Purdue needs to be in the long run. Um, obviously, that's a, a bitter pill for, for the, the t- fans and players of a team that's 0-3 now. But, but I mean, it, it, just even going back to the juncture of this game where it's 27-10 to 10 and it seems like Missouri's maybe just going to make this really embarrassing. And Purdue, from that point on, really, it's not as if they dominated the game or anything, but they were, you know, toe-to-toe. They were they were answering when they had to. They The, the defense didn't play, and no defense that gives up 600 and some yards, played well but and the, the fact that Missouri was doing it in both ways I think was was maybe a, a little bit more surprising we thought it, we kind of expected them to be able to throw the ball on Purdue but maybe not run it as well as he did but um you know the defense made some big plays when it had to big special teams play when they really needed it on the, the block field goal that kind of swung the game late in the first half and it, you know Purdue couldn't finish this game off it's what makes the Eastern Michigan game the Eastern Michigan loss so significant because you again you just buy yourself on your schedule, no room for error and and now this team is despite having played really well at times and obviously despite because it played poorly at so many other times you're 0 three now and staring um, a potentially really long season um, so I, I it's going to be interesting to see where this team goes forward from here because does the quarterback controversy get solved by the fact that you had a guy go out and throw for a school record yardage total um is some of what we saw in the second half something that can carry over from this defense it's still you're just answering each week with as many questions as you have answers yeah my my takeaways are that first of all offensively jeff brown said what he was going to do and he did it he pushed the ball downfield and he had a quarterback in david plow that was able to find the holes in the defense and push the ball downfield you know after his uh heated discussion with Brom in the second quarter after he checked down. Uh, he, David seemed to be pretty good from that point on. And I thought he was good most of the game. Yep. Um, other than he underthrew the interception on the trick play. And he, and he did miss Rondell early in the game at the goal line. 
but was that was he under pressure? Was he, you know, I, what are I, the what are the circumstances behind that that made him underthrow that ball? He, he did have to he did have to hurry that that right. throw and and his you know. He doesn't have Elijah Sindelar's arm strength. He doesn't have terrible arm strength, but he doesn't have Elijah Sindelar's arm strength or Drew Locke's arm strength by any means. But he was, I mean, I I agree with you. After they had that little um, terse conversation on the sideline there in the second quarter, you saw Blau throwing with a little bit more Just more stepping into his throws and not... You saw a little bit more juice on it. Because I I thought even the the 50-yard completion he had to Isaac Zico in the early in the game I thought was a touch underthrown a little you know yeah. and that's a, you know it's longer downfield it's a tougher throw to make but so I I just thought I thought you saw something a little bit more from Blau and maybe this can be something for him because we don't know yet still exactly how long Elijah Sindelar will be out it's an undisclosed injury they said he was definitely a no-go today even though he had dressed and warmed up so if something had happened to David Blau tonight I guess you're looking at um Nick Sipe or, Nick Sipe. or yes. Yeah, so Jack, Jack Plummer would be the next option after that. But, you know, offensively, Jeff did what he wanted to do. He wants to be more balanced, which I get. You know, last year they rushed over 300 yards. This year they, or this week they threw for uh, almost 600 or five, it was uh, 572 uh, is, the, is the new school record now. Uh, so that part of it was, was good to see that they kind of showed a way that they can play and maybe will need to play in some games if you you know if you're in that situation and then defensively um they 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 did they gave up a ton of yardage then they gave up a ton of points and they gave up a ton of big plays <laughs> uh but i think you know i think the fact that they rotated a lot of defensive linemen there probably were 9 to 10 to 11 dif- different defensive linemen in the game today I think probably helped them at the end because they started to get some pressure. They started to flush Drew Locke out of the pocket. He was able to make some plays when he got outside the pocket. But I I think you saw a little bit of what they hope this defense can do from the starting games as we get deeper in the season. I don't think they're ready to do what they did in the fourth quarter from start to finish in a game, especially not against a Boston College team that is pretty solid and probably not against the Nebraska team, which is struggling, but uh, probably has better players across the board than you do. But when you get to an Illinois or maybe a Minnesota, uh, you know, and by the time you get to Iowa and Indiana and some of these teams, your defense, I think, is going to be a lot better. They're going to uh, perform uh, kind of the way they performed in the fourth quarter throughout, throughout the game. These losses still sting the players and the coaches and the fan base. Uh, you know, people are probably looking at it different ways. You know, they're eight points or nine points away from being three and zero, or you know, really, they're 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 still far away from being <laughs> from getting getting a win at times because because it's some of the same right. silly penalties that they had at just at the wrong time. Uh, but you know, there were some things tonight that you saw that give you some optimism going into next week that that might be the week yeah they they don't seem that far away in a lot of ways and i i thought that even after each of the first two weeks i mean if they play a better first half of defense against northwestern maybe there's one possession there that makes a difference in the game any number of times in eastern michigan game if they played better 
um, it makes up for the one possession or if they just make an extra point. I, You know, they're, they're so tantalizingly close in, in those games. And I didn't think tonight's loss was as self-inflicted of a loss in some ways as those first two were. But they are still, you know, you saw the accountability. The other thing Jeff Brom talked about was how there was going to be more accountability this week. And you saw that a couple of times when guys made a dumb penalty or made a big mistake that they were coming out of the game and somebody else was going in some of that was on that some of that might have just been the defensive line rotations you were talking about but I think but some of it there was a correlation between uh Lorenzo Neal gets a personal foul and I'm pretty sure he was out of the game on the next snap so well but on the flip side of that you have more defensive linemen to put in but when Kurt Barron got his personal foul early in the game he stayed in the game because you don't Right. really have an option there and so right it's you know i thought what jeff said last during the week about holding people accountable and in practice there were guys that when they got a penalty or did something silly that they were they went to the timeout room or they just stood there for a little bit to think about uh what they did but it's all fine and good to say you're coming out of the game but you got to have somebody else to put in there too and Me? that's it, there's a balance there and but i i thought overall when guys did screw up on their own they 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 came out and when lorenzo came out nick holt won the nothing nothing to do with him after that penalty (laughs) this 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 is still a process i mean that's at the end of the day it's still a process that this program is going through not just for this season but it's still a, a part of what they want purdue to grow into long term as you know i wrote a column that's on jconline.com, but none of you are reading or going to be listening to this at 4 a.m., so it'll definitely be there by the time you all wake up again. Um, but it was basically about this, that this is still, you have to look at this kind of from the long-term scope, and we, I think you saw things tonight that should, if you were a Purdue fan, that would give you confidence that Jeff Brom is still the right guy to be leading this program because he's still trying to make this program be like him. And some of that was in the way that they were aggressive on offense. Um, but it, it just needs to be there in, in all facets of the, of the, of the program. Last year, that was an easier transition to do on defense because they had so many veteran guys this year. It's just, it's still a process that's coming along. And, and even though that's not necessarily his side of the ball, I think there is something about his personality that needs to kind of just seep into the entire program. And we obviously saw it last year. And we were talking to the players after the game. They acknowledged that it, it was very apparent last year. But they, they, they say they're still seeing it this year. That that presence, that aura is still there. Even though the, the results this year, because of some of the things we talked about last week and how the margin for errors are so much smaller, they're just not able to get over the top the way they did last year. When they, frankly, were having some breaks go their way that are now flipped and going the opposite way. Right. I, David Blau just was really good tonight. I mean, just he really yeah. was. He was on point, and some of that could have been just the defense because I, I don't think Missouri's that strong defensively. But you still have to make the throws. But the other part of that is his receivers made plays. I, I can't yeah, remember. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't really recall a pl- you know a, a drop or an incomplete pass that was just like, oh, that guy dropped it. And, and there probably there was a, a, a probably a few out of, of those. fifty-five yeah. attempts, you're going to have some. Yeah. Well, I mean, out of uh, what would end up sixteen incompletions. Right. Uh, so uh, there, there probably, there probably were a couple, and you know, and that's that's normal. But there wasn't the the ones that we saw 
early in the uh, early in the in the first two games that were just like, oh, you got to catch that ball. Um, but they, you know, had three guys over 100 yards, and you're going to have that when you throw for that many yards. But Rondell Moore got more involved in the offense than he did a week ago. Uh, the tight ends were more involved uh, in the offense than they had been uh, in the in the last game. Uh, you know, Jared Sparks had a nice game against a lot of times lining up against his brother. Uh, I think his brother may have ended up leading uh, Missouri in tackles. Uh, so I mean, he well, had, uh, he had he had yeah, a, his only receivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, carrying the ball tonight. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I thought David just really had a solid game at uh, at the right time in a weird week for him because on Tuesday he's not. I don't believe he's starting. Jeff has never said it, but the way things were working Tuesday, Sindelar was getting ready to start this game. And then something happened early in Wednesday's practice that that forced Sindelar off the practice field into the training room. And, he, you know, he tried to do some things on Thursday, uh, couldn't do it. You know, and obviously tonight when he warmed up, it was just all for show. But even when he was warming up, throwing the ball, he, he didn't have that same zip that that we normally see so it was a weird week for david in that regard because he goes from tuesday to being the number two guy to wednesday maybe being the number one guy thursday probably going to be the number one guy and then you know at some point thursday friday whatever it was they they determined that sindelar wasn't going to play so he handled that situation really well and you would expect him to do that from a fifth year senior uh, standpoint. So I guess moving forward, and I brought this up when I was in the press box. So what are the chances the guy that set the school record for passing right. doesn't start next week? Well, especially <laughs> when the other guy's coming off of an injury. I think. I mean, I, I don't know how you don't start David Blau against Boston College. Um, and and I think this is you, you know you have brought it up before. You've I think you've even written about it how. This is why the two-quarterback system worked last year for them. When the second guy, you know, I understand why fans sometimes get frustrated when there isn't just one guy. Trust me, as we talked about, Jeff Brom is just as frustrated by that probably as anybody, probably more so. But when the second guy can't go, then you've got this other guy who has prepared as a starter before, who's been ready each week. And and on top of that, we've talked before also about how the Sundalar Blau relationship and why these two guys especially probably had the right demeanor, the right balance of the competitiveness of wanting to be the starter each week, but also being selfless enough to know what the situation is. Um, and, th- and this is why, I mean, this was another example of, of why it seems to work for this team. Um, but the, the obvious thing would be if, if David Blau could build off of this and just sort of run away with it. And then it becomes something that the, sparks the whole offense and now Purdue can you know spring some some upsets down the line and maybe get back some of these early losses um but they do they will need some sort of running game and I believe yeah absolutely yeah I mean, they they and while, although I will say this is I mean I don't think Jeff Brom wants us to be an arena league team where he's just chucking the ball 70 times and I really don't I think he understands that to win in the Big Ten you're probably you're gonna have to balance it but I don't believe for a second that he wasn't having a lot of fun calling that offense tonight. I mean, he he wants this he wants Purdue to have a stud quarterback back there. He wants Purdue to have its Drew Locke. Oh yeah. And, and may, or 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 it's Jeff Brom 
basically. You know, the the prototypical kind of all-American boy-looking quarterback who stands back there and guides an offense and throws bombs and gets ready to go get drafted by an NFL team. Like and you've got and you've got big receivers, you've got right. big tight ends, right? You've got an experienced offensive line. That's he probably I, coveted I think, a lot of things he saw in Missouri's. Well, I think I said to you, I go that Missouri offense is what Jeff Brown would love for his Purdue offense to be: big right. old quarterback, big receivers, big offensive line that can protect. I mean, Drew Drew Locke had just days in the pocket. I mean, yes. he just had oh, days in the pocket okay. today, and and with Purdue's uh, cornerback situation not being very good. Yeah, you know, he's just waiting for guys to come open, and it's and that's yeah. a it's a really tough dilemma for Purdue right now because, I mean, I, I guess you could really dial down and look at the strategy that they that they tried because they tried to rush three and drop eight, which just gave Drew Lock all kinds of time. Later in the game, they they started to bring some pressure and get a little bit more pressure, but you know, I guess in retrospect, should they have brought more pressure? Tried to bring more pressure early or? Or you, or do you want to leave your corners on an island yeah, like it's, that? It's tough because, and I think that first 25 minutes of this game were, in some ways, almost like Purdue again. Purdue's defense playing down to the worst expectations of what we thought that even that this team wouldn't have a pass rush, or it would decide it couldn't afford to formulate a pass rush because of what it would have to give away in other places, and then on top of that. It just wasn't winning the matchups in the secondary. No, no. The Missouri was winning those matchups. Missouri's receivers and tight ends were winning those matchups. As the game went on, you saw some progress there. So that's something that again, it's that's this is still a process with such a young defense that they're going to have to to keep improving. To go back to one other thing on offense, so I thought this game changed in so many ways when Rondell Moore became a real factor on offense. When right. they, it was late in this first half, I think, before he even had a catch. Then he had three on the one scoring drive mm-hmm. that all went for first. There were all third down catches mm-hmm. for first downs, I think. And I don't, he, he ended up with, what, 11 catches, something like that? And, uh, 11 catches. He was targeted 13 times. Yeah. So he had a nice percentage there. But I think at least half, probably at least six of those catches were for first down. Like, yeah. a lot of those catches were for first downs, um, which – you're going to have a lot of catches for first downs when you put up 572 yards of passing. But, you know, David Blau came into this game averaging, like, what, maybe less than five yards an attempt, I think. And, and at halftime, it was 11.3. Right. So, you, it, it's and, – and I thought it was also a good sign that it seemed like more was being used or being targeted – even early in this game, it's a lot of, you know, horizontal stuff. It was a lot. And then finally they started, like, hitting him downfield. And, and, yes, he still gets yards after the catch, but he was getting kind of that running start to do it. And I think that's something they're going to have to keep hitting on because I understand why you want to maybe, you know, get him the ball in the flats, let him be the playmaker, you know, get him out in space and let him do stuff. But I, he's such another dimension of weapon if you can hit him in stride. Because even on even in a secondary against you know other Power Five conference teams, you're just not gonna have guys who can catch him. No, no, you can't. But I think you, we saw tonight what this passing offense can be. Yeah. I mean the and it's not going to be like this every game, but when you incorporate more, he draws more attention, and then your tight ends become more open, and then guys like Isaac Zico and Terry Wright made plays tonight. Yep. Plays they haven't made in the past, but they're catching balls and making plays. And that, it, when you get those guys up and running, then 
then you have an opportunity to really put up some points, and that's what they needed tonight. I, I felt both teams, I think Missouri, for the most part, was like all their offensive decisions were based on they had to score more points because they were scared that Purdue was going to get the ball back and score. Uh, and Jeff Brom made similar decisions where, you know, when they went forward on fourth down, uh, and there was the, 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 the short pass to Zico. Now, I love the call, and it's a call they had to make. I just It looked like the one-option play. I love the decision. I didn't right. like the play call. No. Well, it looked like a one-option decision. Now, I don't know that to be fact, and maybe there was a second option there, but it looked like a one-option decision that even if he catches the ball, he's not going to get the first down. Exactly. But, um, but you had to go for it there. You had to do that. You had to try to find a way to keep the ball and get get the get points on the ball so uh, points on the board but a lot of decisions were made tonight just because the other team was going to score um but the other thing i mean you mentioned that they're down 17 this looks like missouri's going to roll up 800 yards of total offense they're going to put 60 on the board and it's going to be 60 to 25 yeah. type of game but i think we saw some fight in purdue that you know we saw in the northwestern game but now that it returned in this game that I think will serve this team well. I can't tell you when that's going to lead to a victory. Because, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, uh, next week is is going to be equally as tough because of the type of team you're facing. You're not facing this kind of spread-out type of offense. You're facing uh, a, a, a running back that is really good and a quarterback that had a big game last Thursday against Wake Forest. But... The fact that this team, they don't, they don't lie down. They don't seem to quit, even though they continue to make some bonehead mistakes. But they seem to keep to keep going, and that's, I think that's a foundation that has carried over from last year. They just have to learn how to win now. They have to learn how to. And then the other thing, and I brought up in in the in the in the story I wrote about David Blau, uh, you know. Each of these first three games, Purdue has not had the ball at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. It the, the other team has run out the clock, mm-hmm. either to kick a game-winning field goal, which they've done twice, mm-hmm. or to run out the clock. Right. And Purdue, you know, you get you have to think that if they're in another close game and they can get the ball at the end of the game, they're going to win that game. And that was – it was kind of a shame for David Blau – not to be in that position, yeah, because of the record night he had, and not to be in a in, you know, we thought that Sparks had caught that touchdown pass, but I think the replay showed that it did hit the ground or it, it squeaked out and did hit the ground. In the modern game of football, he didn't have the possession he needed to have right. to be. Although I think again, we were talking about this, waiting for the elevator to go back up to the press box. You know, people are looking for replays on that, and it, it was hard for us to find a good a good second view of that third view of that whatever but as i was standing there i was like you know okay so let's say that touchdown stands all that means is that missouri goes down and scores a touchdown at the end of that game instead of a field i mean they they basically chose not to score a touchdown likely right. score a touchdown well, we, in order to right, center well, the ball and kick right the field. Well, well based on how the game was going yes they were going to go down they had plenty right. of time to go down and and uh and, and they're and right score there i mean they were they were four yards out i mean right but before they start taking a knee Right, but you don't know. This this would have been the second time, I think, I believe the second time in the game they would have been behind 
And now you're you're in a situation where while you do have experience across the board, I get that, but now you've got to do it. And you don't True, know how yeah. they react. And the stakes are much different yeah, when you're down by four instead of tied. Yeah. I would have fully expected them to go down and score. <laughs> I mean, I just, I I just would have. Right. But how does Purdue play it at that point? And do they let some of those big plays that did happen, you know, unfold the way they did? You, you know, right. you just never know. Right. But the fact that Purdue doesn't doesn't get a chance to get the ball at the end of games and close games has really, to me, has stood out that if they, you know, if they're in the, and if they're in a close game next week, do they get the ball at the end? Their defense has to give it to them. And yeah, the defense, the fact the defense got a turnover tonight is a good sign. And the de- and the special teams made a play. It's kind of okay. This is a small step to maybe because you've been around long enough. Turnovers seem to come in like bunches. Yeah. Like once you get one, then you get two, right. then. But or once it, you commit one, you commit yeah, three. Right. <laughs> as we found on the Northwestern game. You know, here's how small the margin for error is right now for Purdue. It's that the first drive of the second half just seemed like a huge drive for that team. And they end up driving all the way down. They have to call a timeout on third down to set up a play that ultimately doesn't get it done, and they kick a field goal. And how huge would it have been to have had that timeout or to have gotten a touchdown on that drive? I mean, it changes the complexion of everything. And that's, by pretty much any measure of football, that was a successful drive, especially in the context of the game at that point, to come down and, and make it even closer game after that 17-point deficit. But the chain reaction of that kind of leads to, ultimately, the game-winning field goal with no time left that, that, you're, that you lose by. So. Well, yeah, you get a touchdown there. And you don't use the timeout. Just not using the timeout gets you a chance to go down and kick your own field goal at the end. Of well, the at least game. you have, you know, at that point you're going to have um, more than a minute to to put something together. Yeah. And the, you although know, Missouri would have also been approaching that finish differently, right. they would have still been going for the touchdown instead of kneeling right. to. So, but you know, at least at the end of the first half, they were able to. You know, what Jeff Brom had told us is that they had struggled in two-minute drill situations in camp mm-hmm. and especially in the closed scrimmages that they were able to put together a drive in 30 some seconds to to get to get a touchdown and make and make this a game and make it a three point game at half so you know there's a lot of you know to me there's a lot of things that if they they need to move forward from what they did tonight you can't really stay the same you have to move forward and it may not be good enough to win next week against a good a really good Boston College team. But if you're if you're in the same position you're in tonight where you got a chance, right now that's that's probably all you can ask about this team as it continues to to find its way and you know and get that win that they that they desperately need. Well it's almost game time, so <laughs> well yeah, next week's game's at noon. So it's saying. it's creeping up on us <laughs> rather is. quickly. Do you have anything else to add? I'm done for the Are night. you done? Good All right. morning. All right. This was another uh, edition of uh, Boiler uh, Boilers After Dark on Boilers Extra or whatever we call it nowadays. Is there something you want to say about the how people uh, can find us? I should have said up front. But, yeah, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know where to find us. But um, we, we're changing the feed a little bit. We're going to have a dedicated Boilers Extra feed on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on Google Play. You'll be able to find it in a lot of other places. If you follow us on iTunes, 
and obviously it's depending on how you're hearing this because it's going to be going to a new feed so we'll put it out on social media but there's going to be a lot more places where you can access this podcast uh each week um so if you subscribe to any of those subscribe to us through any of those formats you can it'll it should just flow in but uh, i'll put out more information on that on social media all right well thanks for joining us uh mike carmen nathan baird and uh we'll we'll have another uh, uh episode of boilers extra coming up uh, early next week